Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It is so great to be with you today. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane, a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. The conversation is all about what matters most in our life, our mind, thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. I wanted to give you the good news, uh, which is um, about our new book that came out. And it was just published a couple of weeks ago. This uh, book is Intentional Parenting, a practical guide to awareness integration theory, which um, two of my colleagues, wonderful Dr. Nicole Jafari and Dr. Eileen Manukian, uh, both of them are um, professors and um, they do a lot of research and work with children and raising children and teaching parents and educators and educate, uh, educating the educators. And so uh, this book is about how to bring the awareness integration into every stage of life. Uh, we uh, share about how to be with your infant, your toddler, your um, children who are going to school, your preteen, teen, maybe even young adults who are still staying somewhere around you and these are uh, you're pretty much still parenting them. So you could get this in Amazon or you could get it from Scholar um, Cambridge Scholarly. Um, it's a wonderful book and I hope that you enjoy it as much as all of us have enjoyed it. And uh, for all of the therapists and uh, coaches who um, are interested in learning about uh, awareness integration theory, as you know, um, this book, which is Awareness Integration Therapy, clear the past, create a new future, and live a fulfilled life. And it was forwarded by Jeffrey Zeig and um, uh, Dr. Philip Zambardo wrote for me. So I'm really, really proud of this book. And uh, it gives you step-by-step uh, -step, the six phases of how to work with your clients if you are a therapist or a coach. So I hope that you get that book. That's also from Cambridge uh, Scholarly and um, you can also get that in Amazon. I am excited to have in this episode um, a great chat with Dr. Behnam Bakhshande, who is an accomplished business manager and a personal and professional development um, expert. With nearly three decades of field experience working with individuals, teams, and organizations, Dr. Bakshande is widely known as a dynamic writer, speaker, organizational uh, development, and HRD practitioner, trainer, and executive coach. He's authored and published four books in the personal and professional development industry, and there are more coming. Every year he is, almost sometimes twice a year, he has a book being published. Beside these books, he has designed and facilitated coaching modules for individual couples and public and team and organizations, audiovisual workshops, articles, and personal and professional development topics. Actually, we created two workshop and, and uh, video um, uh, together, I think it was about 10 years ago, which uh, he's really dynamic. So today we'll be talking about his latest book, High Performance Coaching for Managers, a step-by-step -step approach to increase employees' performance and productivity. 
Um, he was he has written this book with one of his professors, uh, Dr. William Rothwell, when he was uh, getting his uh, PhD, and together they have. Um, created this amazing book. I love this book and I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I have and how much I've learned from reading his book and having a conversation with him. Subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe to it. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com or any of my social media. Now, if you just want to work self-help, um, you know, just go through the exercises of uh, the awareness integration, boost your self-esteem and self-confidence and bring some of the anxiety and depression down. Um, you could definitely uh, get my book, Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you desire and want. Um, you can get that from Amazon and uh, you can work through it um, at home with journaling and then you know, if you get my book and look at it, just please let me know how it was for you, your thought process, how it worked for you. I love to hear from you. So without any further ado, here he is, Dr. Behnam Bakshandar. Dr. Behnam Bakhshande, it is such a pleasure to have you with me today. Thank you, Dr. Zain. I appreciate the opportunity again and always, always enjoy your company. I'm grateful for our opportunity to get to play with you again. Yes. We are going to talk about your latest book that you have co-authored with Dr. William Rothwell. It's called High Performance Coaching for Managers. Let me actually show you guys because i have the privilege of having the book high performance coaching for managers a step-by-step -step approach to increase employees performance and productivity and uh it is forwarded by ethan sanders so um i love this book i went through it it is such a wealth of information in there it's classified so beautifully. One thing that I really enjoyed, and I even know, you know where it's coming from, because I obviously know you for so many years. I've had the privilege of knowing you. I'm doing workshops with you. But every aspect of this, of this book is like, first you define it. So it's not like we're going to have our own perception out of what we're talking about. You define exactly what it is, the terminologies, what it means. And then you go through this systematic way of opening it and having exercises, having forms, every aspect of coaching, it's right there. So my hat's off to you, you. and uh, your co-author, uh, Dr. Rothwell for this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let me begin with, uh introducing briefly Dr. William Rodwell. I get the privilege to know Dr. Rodwell when I start my master's program in organization development and change. At the time he was head of the program and he become my advisor. And then we become my friend. And when I did the PhD together, he was very impressed by my near three decades of experience in coaching. And then when we decided to write the books on coaching, this is first of many books that come in. 
in terms of domain of coaching. Right now, we are submitting final manuscript for transformation coaching for effective leadership. And we have other books at the burner per se, and we are working. Uh, one of the things that you said about the book is saturated by models and actual practical tools. Because we both, Dr. Rodwell and I both believe that you can talk concept and theoretical issues till the cows come home. But organizations need to know how these theories and concepts make a difference in bottom line called profitability and productivity, right? And then another side of that bottom line is lower turnover because organization is spending a lot of time and money and effort to keep their talents. And if they're not kind of manage and develop the talents, the turnover go high and they lose money. So yes, absolutely. We brought a lot of tools, a lot of practical applications that any manager can literally pick up the book and follow. And as you mentioned, each chapter at first start with defining the particular terminology to people can have a sense of what are they reading. And in the end of the book also, we put a lot of practices that people can review what they learn. You talk about first distinction between coaching and consulting. Because yes. obviously with organizations, they're both pretty much there. You know, people become consultants um, sometimes um, in, you know, after working in an industry for 20, 30 years and or they're, uh, they're retiring and coming back and they don't want to be part of the full picture of a corporate, but they've been there for so long that they come up, come out and become a consultant. But yes. that's different than coaching. And can you define that in your book? Can you share a bit about that? Absolutely. In the general idea and concept in society, people know consultant to be someone who tell you what to, I'm sorry, to tell you what to do. They come to organizations based off their competencies, their skills, and mostly their experience, telling you what is the right way to do this process, right? I compare consulting with what we call in this book, directive coaching. And then the coaching per se in the society knows that somebody who listen to your view, listen to your vision and your dream, then ask question, you do the work, they hold their space, they ask question, and they guide you through the spaces you need to go through so you can get to and achieve what was on your mind, right? In this book, we're not talking about consulting, and we're not much talking about non-directive coaching. We're just talking about directive coaching. Imagine, yes, if you coach me in my marriage or my business or building my career, obviously, you're going to ask me very empowering and deepened questions to make me start thinking about what is stopping me and what's in my way of growth. But when you are in manufacturing and there is a machine is working, right? You need to tell me exactly what to do. That's called directive coaching. Actually, I, I print some notes to compare for you directive and non-directive coaching. In non-directive coaching, the coach asks coaches 
what they should do. In directive coaching, the coach tells coaches what to do. That's a difference. You should do something or you have to do this. Is a differentiation between directive and non-directive coaching. In the, in the organization development, they call non-directive coaching asking domain versus directive coaching telling domain. Now, in the coaching industry as a general, people keep saying, oh no, we cannot tell people what to do because that is consulting. Not necessary in the professional domains. Imagine, imagine a nurse who worked with a surgeon who working on your family's open heart surgery. <laughs> the doctor don't have a time to discuss about what you feel about this process. The doctor would tell the nurse exactly what to do. Now, this is an extreme example, but it is an example of what non-directive and directive coaching is. Let me get, give, give you more details about non-directive coaching. There is four elements in non-directive coaching. One is open inquiries and ask questions. You know, I'm no, I know you're a professional coach. You, you do the exact same thing when you're talking to your clients. Improve mindset and awareness with that opening inquiries, with that questionnaire. Ask coaches to come with solution. Okay, now you find your problem. What solution are you coming with without me telling you the solution? And is not a subject matter expert. Coach is not a subject matter expert in a non-directive coaching. Comparison with directive coaching, which is telling, provide correction actions or corrective actions. Provide advice and guidance. Tell coaches what to do and the directive coach is a subject matter expert. Mm -hmm. So that is, if I answered your question, general concept of in this book, which using, now I have to say for the record, not all these tools are designed based on directive coaching. Dr. Rodwell and I are using also non-directive coaching to the managers can open inquiry with, the, with people because mindset of an employee is a very important element of their level of coachability or not. Yes. Because if the person not being coachable, given certain mindset they have, the mindset will affect their attitude and the attitude immediately affect their behavior. Yes, and then the result. You also in this book uh, uh, define different types of coaching, which is the personal, professional, executive, team building, managerial, high performance, and feedback system or feedback coaching. Um, which it has each one of them um, has its own way of doing, and it has a different type of um, uh, reason. Let's say intention. Yes. Um, and pretty much they all are kind of needed in a company because a company is actually has people, individuals. Which, so every individual, the way they show up at any time of the day to do their work, uh, they're bringing themselves. And sometimes they're also bringing their marriage problem, their financial problem, their children problem, their family problem. 
um, all of that that is around them comes with them. It doesn't necessarily get separated. So not only their personhood is involved for eight to 10 hours of, of work, then obviously there are professionals and they are in a professional setting with guidelines of profession. So uh, that part is there. They are either, either they are the executive or they are responding and dealing with executives. Right. So they're definitely part of a team. And again, either they are a manager or mid-management or they are dealing with the mid-management. They have to create performance. And regardless of whether they see it or not, they're aware of it or not, they are getting feedback. I mean, sometimes obviously they're getting feedback in you know quarterly evaluations or all of that, but every day they're receiving feedback and giving feedback to everyone. Wow. So every aspect of what you've covered in this book is really necessary in a 360 level of the organization being right. so aware of all of these elements that are necessary to be opened up. Right. As you might see, the entire book is a step-by-step. -step. The first part, the first three chapter, introducing the general concept of a coaching, general concept of performance coaching, and general concept of manager as coach. This terminology, manager as coach, relatively is a new terminology in organization development. Because as you know, coaching has started really growing in the domain of business and organization through the last two or three decades. Now, coaching and mentorship are two of elements of organization development and change that consultants using in their practices. So there is aspects of manager as coach that people think, organization think, if the manager have the experience and knowledge is enough to coach, is really not. And we call it the wheel of asset, the coach's wheel of asset, which is three wheels. The biggest wheel, the first wheel is the mindset. Mindset of that coach mindset of that manager as coach. One of the things that we do with Dr. Rodwell, actually we go to organizations and uh, they assign us a managers who they want us to actually develop as a coach. That, that manager as a coach come back to organizations and start implementing the, the, the distinctions that they learn. In that part, we cannot help them in their experience and their knowledge. That's something that we call, for example, harder skills. They already have that harder skills. There's nothing we can add to it because it's not our domain. What we can add on the first wheel is to kind of directive and indirective coaching for that manager or that supervisor that set their mindset and go through the competencies of delivering a coaching system where that all that tables and figures and tools comes very handy, very handy. Mm -hmm. It's also the culture that you talk about, a coaching culture that can be created and uh, develop and um, develop a regular organization going from their vision and values, then establishing the coaching culture in it, and then creating an environment of continuous learning and development enhancing employees skills and competencies and then higher performance by individuals teams and groups and departments and then so it leads itself to a higher performance organization exactly. can you hear a bit about that 
Exactly. So coaching culture is like a culture of nation that you're walking into, right? It's like a background that holding the whole thing together. There is a style of management I call as a joke, I call it 19th century style of management. Hit them harder, keep them hungry, keep them thirsty. They need a job, they come back, not really. In this day and time, you see the conversation in organization for lack of available or scaleful labor. They call it great resignation. That was a debate between me and Dr. Rodwell. I said that with due all respect, I don't call it a great resignation. I would call it great finding a new job with new pay <laughs> because now the market is a labor market. They can find what they do. So as a matter of fact, Dr. Rodwell and I are now working on the book called Building a Coaching Culture Organization. Because if the culture is not welcoming coaching, we are just wasting time and energy and resources. But if the top management, if the major stock, stockholders of the stakeholders of the company be enrolled to possibility of changing environment, Suddenly, the only thing that happened, you see a higher performance, better productivity, and lower turnover, which it means more money in the pocket of stockholders and stakeholders of organization. We can talk about this five days on a row, but, but I'm going to go back. I think a, based on what you were saying, I think it's important to see that um, the culture of corporations went from appreciating uh, the employees to employees were dispensable uh, automatically every year or every quarter you know the the third uh, the third at the bottom performance will automatically be laid off there was no accountability it was just like a you know harsh environment and i think with all that had happened at one point i think human beings just said oh if you don't value me i'm going to value myself Oh, and, it's so important. Right? And at one point, it's like, well, fine. If, you know, I'm going to, we're going to change the whole industry in a different way where I get to do what I want to do and I get to not work in a corporation if I don't want to. And um, I think that it forced the system now to have value for human element in there. And then, therefore, if you are having a, a value for that, then you have to learn how to handle this human value and how to turn this human value into the out, the, uh, the level of you know highest performance you know dr zane you're a master psychologist yourself you know that human being there's a need for acknowledgement and appreciation there is a need that we all have to know what we do making a difference what we do matters if the culture is you're replaceable, then now what you're dealing with. As harsh and rough the two, two and a half years of COVID-19 was, it was an eye-opening for working men and women and eye-opening for organization. When they saw the valuable assets, the number one valuable assets of any organizations are individuals that are coming and working there. So. I totally agree. If the culture changed and culture of positivity and acknowledgement coming of positive thinking, positive attitude, acknowledgement, appreciation, 
I'm not saying uh, babysit the workforce. I'm saying show appreciation for the humanity and hard work. And obviously any organization have policies and procedures for human resources. If they're not doing the targets, if they're late, if they're not doing what a law and organization of that particular establishment is, okay, you can fire them. But where they're working hard, then you have to show more appreciation. If not, you are dealing with a big turnover. Yes. You also talk in your book about the elements of human performance, which is talk about who or which are the workers, the employees, the, and all the personnel. And then you talk about what, which is the activity, work, job, tasks, and performance. And then where, um, which is the context of the work, location, team, organizational, and environment. And, uh, you know, and, and how to implement it. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. When we say, generally, when people talk about business, the first thing that comes to their mind is the locality of the business, what they see around or what they do themselves. Recently, again, Dr. Rodwell and I, with another of our colleagues, working on the book series on successful supervisory leadership that would brought us to doing some major research on small businesses. I was such, it was such a surprise for me when I logged into a small business administration and I started downloading data. 99.9, .9, it means very close to 100% of businesses operating in the United States are small businesses. Imagine that, how massive it is, this number, right? What, what, and they distinguish it, it means between 100 to 1,500 employees or between 2 million annual to 41.5 million annual income depend to the industry. So that being said, if you look, and by the way, a small business not necessarily means mom and pop business and not necessarily means a small family business. So there are huge companies that have many locations around the world that is still considered by the law a small business. So that being said, the, the, the last piece, the where, there is a huge research on the culture of employment, culture of working, and culture of relationship to labor that is totally depends to the culture of that geographic area. The way, any trip I go, I go back home in Iran, when I'm working with people, suddenly I say, I, I see at 12 o'clock, everything shut down. And people come back at two, I'm, and I'm after 37 years working in the United States. I'm saying, what happened? Oh, it's off. Or, or you know, the weekends are weekends. I work with some people in Iran. I cannot find them in Iran in weekends. And I'm telling them, why are you not responding to my email? Well, it's weekend. So what, what does it mean is weekend? For us, who we got used to culture of working in the United States, so what if it's weekend? Yeah, 24-7. <laughs> you have to do what you have to do. Have you been in Hawaii? They call it what? They call it- uh, Hawaii uh, time. Hawaii, Hawaii time, right? Oh, I led a training program for a company I can't mention the name in Hawaii. And the top senior level showed up at 11.30 when the start time was nine. 
And I was like, I don't walk on the water. What do you want me to do for your people? If the leadership come in this late, take it easy, no problem, have fun. Okay, this is all good. But then I realized next day what I did, Dr. Fujan, I take my tie off and my shirt off. I buy a Hawaiian shirt and I showed up at 9.30 versus 9. I was in with them. Now he's cool. <laughs> So the where part is to be, be sensitive. Even now, let's come back to our hometown in our country. Even East Coast and West Coast, different culture. Yeah. You might doing delivery psychology for a patient in San Diego. It will be totally different when you're delivering for Kansas City or New York City because of the culture and location of that customer. So that is something that uh, coaches need to be aware. Usually, usually the the who and what is the nature of the business and people that are involved. But the where part is something that not many people paying attention to. Yes, and I've um, actually sat with a lot of different international companies where they had done a spectacular job in U.S. And then, for example, they figured, oh, we could take exactly what we have and let's take it to Africa or let's take it to India or let's take it to Far East. And exactly what you said, that when they did not know and they hadn't done their homework and they thought also came from this kind of a elite perspective of, you know, we come from the U.S., it's already worked so many millions of dollars, we're just going to kind of like duplicate it. And they go within the first year, it flops. And they're flabbergasted of how come it's because they didn't take the culture into account and seeing whether it was even needed. Maybe it was needed here, but not there or the way that they implemented it or the way that they um, discuss things um, in uh, in that language or in that culture with that group. Um, my husband works with a multi, uh, let's say, international company that one part of the company is in the U.S., another one in um yeah, out. Yeah. England, India, China, Hong Kong, and different places. And you could definitely see this perspective as he shares that, for example, the Chinese culture has a specific way that they deal with each other and their employees and the bond that they get from each, you know, that they have with each other. That if you do not hold that respect and bond as you're going from, you know, another company and another country to that, um, it just like they they uh, ignore you. Yes. Uh, they won't you know they won't confront you, but they just will ignore you. Yes. And it's the all of these um, human factors which are the main aspect of how we deal with. And sometimes we because we call like when we go into family settings, it's like it's all we understand it. It's all these relationships. But the minute we call it work, we forget that we're the same human being. And sometimes we deal exactly the same way we bring our family histories and the way we worked, we bring it into our work. If we are part of a you know, huge family and we've always had sibling rivalry and knew how to handle this, then we come to work and bring the same culture into our work. But imagine all these people with different families are coming together and spending time eight to 10 hours with each other. And if they're not really aware of how they're coming together, things get stuck. People yes. people find themselves in a lot more interpersonal power struggles 
all day versus actually looking at things in a performance. So if they're not aware of all of this, you know, internal processes that they're taking with them, it's not going to collaborate. Then nobody's going to collaborate with each other. Funny thing is, we don't have to go to another country. Given the multi, uh, the melting pot of the nature of the United States, I had a client here, relatively larger, a small business, that they had seven different languages in the floor of their workers. It means seven different English is one of them. There were six other languages was speak in the floor. And they had a difficulty, the supervisor level and junior level managers, they had a difficulty dealing with these people. The coaching I tell them was sit and have a lunch with a particular people who talk in this particular language. Ask them about their culture, ask them about their norms, ask them about their traditions. One, you're building rapport with them and you're building respect with them. For this kind of people coming from this different country, respect is big. If they respect you, they do anything for you. And for them to you show respect is, is to you show interest, right? And then go out of your way, find out what are their national holidays. Give them a day off on that day. You might think, in, oh, six, seven people, eight hours is a lot of money. No, it's really not. Compare with what they're going to do out of respect you gain for them. So the super, I put some training for supervisors to ask questions, relative questions about culture and personality and norms. And the result was amazing. The result was literally amazing, effortless, because people love to be related. People love to be cared for so they can care for somebody and building report. I, I think one of the, one of, if I'm not mistaken, one of the chapters of this book is all about report, how to build report with people. Yes. You also talk about implementation of high performance coaching process, which you um, uh, specify uh, five different uh, stages. One is define. Uh, another one is discovery, dream, design, destiny, the five Ds. So can you go? Yeah, those are elements of appreciative inquiry coaching, which is very, very similar to psychological coaching questions or positive psychology and humanitarian uh, approach in psychology by asking the questions that the person who's uh, the participants can actually think and bring, bring up their wants and their needs. Mm -hmm. And how does the process go with the defined discovery, dream and design and destiny? I don't have my notes in front of me to go through each sections, but the start, the discovery is all about questioning what you want it to be, right? And then the second step is to, okay, now in reality, what that would be look like, the design part, right? And then come to the next step. Now what's in the way of you removing these obstacles? But in the center of appreciative inquiry is the, what is the topic that we are talking about? We have to focus on one certain particular topic. Is it productivity? Is it performance? Is it relatedness? Is it finance? What is it that you want to do? 
or accomplished. And you also have the, uh, like, analyze what's happening, because I have your book in front of me. Yes. Uh, analyze what's happening, identify what would, what should be. Yes. Um, and um, clarify present and future uh, gaps. Uh, determine the importance of the gaps. Identify the causes of the gaps. Select strategies that closes the gaps. Yes. Assess the potential outcome of changes. Select action plans for executing strategies, execute the action plans, and evaluate the outcomes of intervention. I can't tell you guys who are listening and viewing us how uh, important this book is. It takes you through step-by-step step of how to implement um, your, you know, what you need to, uh, what you need to implement as a coach um, into a company or even the company um, having this in, into working with this book and a coach in um, implementing a lot of these and shifting the culture of the coaching within their, their structures and management. And you talked about small businesses. I think small businesses need this more than any other business because usually when a corporation gets larger, it's a different culture. They have to handle another culture. HR brings them a whole different perspective. It makes them go through training. They have to, you know, uphold in a higher, a, level, a different level of standards of operation in order to be able to do that. Small businesses, um, because they start from a one woman or one man or a, fa a small family, and then it's trying to, uh, you know, um, um, open up. It usually starts with a specific culture and the mindset of the owner and the first group of people that they get together. And although the company is getting larger and larger, somehow if the mindset hasn't changed, it gets stuck at the same position and then it goes into failure position um, and it just collapses after a while if it doesn't learn how to open and expand and change these mindsets and have the tools in how to do that. Um, I remember I started so many businesses and I always said, you know, I'm great at businesses for two years. And then what happens that collapses because I never had the tools in how to take it beyond the two year growth. It was, and then it's like, Oh, okay, we'll stop it all. Cause I was so good at starting one. I just kept starting one. And at one point, I'm like, push on how many every two years in your life you're going to start one and right where the cap is, you're going to let it go. No, no, no. You got to learn the next level of growing the small business to the next level of business. And if you don't know how to look at all of these things, um, you're, you're going to keep failing at it. Yeah. As I said, it, the book is 16 chapters and 12 of them are a step by step from a step one to a step 12. This is a work of Dr. Rodwell originally that come with the idea of what are these steps are. And then we got to really doing research on it and coming with a lot of tools and methodology and methods to create this. It's amazing book full of tools and really you don't need to be a PhD or master's degree or any degree to, call, to follow the steps of this book. You yeah. need to be committed to the well-being of your business. Yeah, and learning the distinctions. What is it? Uh, what is one um, gift that you could give to people who have small businesses who might be listening to us? Um, out of all the research you've done, um, your own experiences of over thirty years, 
what is your gift that you could give if you could say one thing to them that could really support them? Wow. Let me think for a second. I would say you need to take you out of the picture. I'm not saying you not work in your business, but you need to work on your business more than what you do in the business. Uh, the culture of a small business is to, I go and work hard and turn the corner. That way they miss the opportunity, they miss the train to develop for the future, which bring me to succession planning. The whole domain of uh, that Dr. Rodwell and I and a bunch of other colleagues, we are now writing a book on handbook of succession planning that most probably will be published in 2024. But a small business owners missing the train called succession planning. It means like you said, the example that you brought, they just see the next quarter. They see survival. They learn how to survive in high waters, which my hat off to them, but then they leave, it leave you wet and tired. <laughs> so you need to learn how to look one year out, five years out, 10 years out, have a business plan, have a financial plan, have a marketing plan, all under umbrella of very healthy succession planning after you retire, after you pass, who take on this business? If it's not a family member, maybe it's a key employee, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a competitor. Plan for all this, all this in advance and split your time if you're working in your business and devote some time on working on the business for the growth, for healthy growth and success. Beautiful. And, and you cannot do it by yourself. If you could do it by yourself, you would have done it by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had the know-how, you would have done it already. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, um, Dr. Bashan, that sometimes um, we don't even know what the know-how it is that we need to know. Like I had no idea at that point that I just don't know the next level of operating a bigger company because to me, it was more like, oh, this infrastructure can just expand itself, which it doesn't exist in anything else. Like if I wanted to, if I had a foundation for a house that was supporting a two bedroom or a three bedroom house, and then I suddenly have a vision of, you know, I want a high rise on this. Well, hello, obviously this foundation is not going to handle a high rise. Yes. I have to fundamentally have another land or another, you know, foundation to hold that type of a high rise. Sometimes, you know, a, a person who's uh, starting a business with an idea and moving forward with it, they find it on a certain foundation and they have these big visions and they're holding the same structure and thinking that this thing is just going to open up and handle all of it. And you don't know until you collapse because you're not even looking in that area. 
So it's so important to know that there's so much you don't know that you don't even know. And sometimes it is so important to have these coaches which come in and they open up the questions. Coach's job is to actually create great questions for you so that it gets you to start looking. And then when you look, you can, you know, together with the coach or yourself can go look at where I can get the skills and, you know, the steps and creation of all the rituals that I need to do in order to create and implement that vision, which is different from the vision I had before. Exactly. Under the same umbrella, example I use for small business owners or some professional clients. I use Olympians as an example. You know, everybody has such respect for people who got to that competencies and the scales that can run in Olympics participate in Olympics. But that person who swim or run or do gymnastics or team, they didn't start being in that level of skills and competencies. They be, they usually they are the best in their hometown. Then the hometown sending them to a state, right? And then the coach working with them, they change their breathing, they change their diet, they change their behavior, and they become on the they become the best in the state. But I tell them that best in the state is not enough to go to national camp. You have to have a new coach, new level of coaching, new diet, new breathing, new sleeping, new thinking. And then when you go to the camp and get elected for final competition, you have to be a whole different person to have the honor to carry your country's flag and be an Olympian. So, Mr. Mrs. A small business owner, if you want to bring your business to that level, whatever you do or whatever you think or you who, whoever you be, need to be upgraded, need to be expanded, new skills, new college, new knowledge, and new competencies. Yes. High performance, everyone. High performance coaching for managers. A step-by-step -step approach to increase employees' performance and productivity by uh, Dr. William Rothwell and Dr. Behnam Bakhshande. Um, you can find this book, uh, Amazon, and where else? Rodrick, the publisher, Taylor and Francis website, and Amazon and many other sites are available in the hard uh, cover on the paperback and electronic. Beautiful. Um, Anything we haven't mentioned that you really want everybody to know? I'll say again. Anything we haven't talked about or mentioned, oh, you really want everybody to know? That I love what I do. I love what I do. I'm near 30 years I'm doing this. And every morning I wake up 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and start research, reading, writing, till around 2. After that, I'm done. And because I love to make a difference, nothing satisfies me, fulfills me, like seeing somebody striving on the personal or professional level. I mean, most of my clients know that about me, but it's something that I take absolute pride of. Where can they find you? Uh, Coach Venom, they can find me in many, many of the social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and all of it. Uh, under Coach Benham as one word, or Benham Bakshande, or just just Google the name and everything coming up. <laughs> all the past books, all the projects, all the 
all the researchers, all the articles. Yeah. Finding me is not that that many. How many Vietnam Masha did you know? <laughs> all right, everyone, get this book: High Performance Coaching for Managers: A Step-by-Step -step Approach to Increase Employees' Performance and Productivity by Dr. Rothwell and Dr. Bachande. It has been a pleasure to have a dialogue with you again. Thank you very much, Dr. Pujan. Thank you for being a friend and colleague. Absolutely. Uh -huh. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.